coming in June. Hi, it's Dr. G. And after two plus years and about 140 episodes of hosting the Menopause Movement podcast, I've had a revelation. You know, this podcast is about more than just menopause. We talk about mindset, building wealth, creating habits, discussing life hacks, and so much more. So it's time to move forward from menopause and into being more. As you've probably heard me say many times, menopause is not a medical condition that requires treatment. It's the privilege of a long life and it gives us the opportunity to launch something new. To that end, I wanna help in more ways than just menopause. Welcome to the Launch Your Life with Dr. G podcast. It's the only mindset podcast that provides weekly actionable insights for lasting happiness and change specifically created for high achieving professionals who are ready to bounce back and prevent burnout. We're still gonna have awesome guests. We'll still talk about the menopause things that, that women wanna know about, but we're gonna focus on mindset. Now why, you might be asking. You know, because we live our entire lives in our minds and the faster and more efficiently we can make it a happy place, the better our lives will be. Life is a series of adventures and we can launch our next phase and create 1% improvements together. I'm honored to be on this journey with you and I can't wait to bring you all of the awesome guests for this new podcast. Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon, and today we are joined by Jill Romig. Now, Jill is passionate about helping women make peace with their pasts, step into their own, and become more confident and comfortable in their skin through her Living Boldly coaching program. At 53, she finally figured a few things out and is excited to share what she's learned with other women that struggle with aging, fitness, nutrition, intimacy, and fashion. Now, even though she's an accomplished CPA and has also been a fitness instructor for 25 years, for many years, she struggled with her weight, her self-image, her self-worth, and self-esteem. It wasn't until her mid-40s that she finally made a shift that changed everything, her attitude, her awareness, her life, and her relationship with both her husband and her daughter. She started learning more about the law of attraction, vibrations, source energy, positive affirmations, and immersed herself into self-help learning with the goal of becoming the best version of herself possible. She applied everything she learned from her personal life experiences, fitness training and teachings, self-help studies, and love of fashion into her Living Boldly program to help women struggling with aging reclaim their purpose, re-energize their bodies, revamp their style, and realign their souls. Now, during the interview, we discuss healing from the past, her experience with eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. This is also known as EMDR. And we discussed that in the beginning. Neither one of us knows what it is. I had to look it up. But she knows what it is, but I'm talking about the, uh, the acronym. We didn't know what that was. So I looked that up. And how to speak to ourselves, how important how we speak to ourselves is and how the book, The Four Agreements, changed her life, introverts and extroverts, how our thoughts create a reality, what fear is, why failure is a door to possibility, the importance of affirmations done the right way in success, and finding God. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com podcasts, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, don't forget the S, where you can find the show notes, plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. And Jill has a powerful 
uh, free download for you that will hook up there as well. Now, if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. We really appreciate them. Now, if you have any questions about the topics we covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now, let's get on to the interview with Jill. And thanks for being a part of the menopause movement. All right, Jill. Well, welcome to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. Happy to so, be so, Jill, I see that you like to help women heal from their past. Can you just talk a little bit about what you got, you know, what got you into that and how you got started there and what your story okay. is? Basically, like we all have our life that we live and lots of times we just move on. I've always been that person that just moved on and just said, you know, the past is the past, but I never really dealt with it, you know, and it would show up in my life. It would show up in my marriage. It would show up everywhere. And I would overreact in things. And I, it didn't like, it didn't dawn on me that I was overreacting. I was very justified in my behavior and the way things were going. And I didn't really realize how I was affecting other people or the relationships I was in. And it took a long time for me to get to the place where I realized that there's something to it and I needed to move through it. Once I did on the other side, my life is a whole lot better, but it took, you know, it took some time. It took some therapy. I don't know if you're familiar with EMDR, but a little now bit. Now, what does that, that stand for? Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me. I'm so bad. It's uh, I E desensitization. Desensitization. Yes. I E M movement, eye movement, EMDR, rapid eye movement, what it is. I can tell you what it is. I don't know okay. exactly what it is. It's bilateral movement of your brain. So when you're going, you process memories, process memories that you have like a certain opinion or thought about what these memories are. And it's bilateral movement where either you're holding something in each hand and it processes through your brain or it's a light that you're following um, headphones where some uh, noise is here than here. So it's going back and forth, back and forth. Anyway, it's a process and it's, and it, there's such a story to this that I don't know if I, you want to hear the whole story. But, let's, um, let's hear this. Let's just start at the beginning. It's fine. Okay. If, so, if you're comfortable sharing, you know, yeah, I mean, cause it really did. That's the beginning of my, my metamorphosis really. Like, oh, my hair is everywhere. Okay. <laughs> now you okay. look great. Thank you. The, the hat always helps. When I have a you bad know, hair, I throw on a I hat. Wanna, okay, so before we get into the EMDR story, I want to get behind why it is. I've never seen you without a hat. I mean, I have seen you every time I've seen you, and we, we and not we necessarily the same conferences. Right? No, no, you're always wearing a different hat. I mean, I love hats, and I and I bought some hats very similar to the kind you wear when I was in Barcelona a few years ago, and and I I like them, but I'm not like. I, you know, I'm not as fashion conscious, I think, as you are. And I know that's part of your thing is, is helping people with fashion. I mean, look at me, I'm a surgeon, I'm wearing scrubs. So yeah, so can you just tell, let, let's start with that. Let's start with like, how, how did you get into hats? Hats, I don't know. It's just like been in a, 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 a 
I, I don't know, something I've always loved. Like my, my husband's like, could we go out without the hat? You know, like, is it possible we could go out without the hat? You know, um, but he, he, he does appreciate me. He me wear whatever I want. Of course he does. But, you know, sometimes I want to wear my hair up or I want to, he's like, he just loves my hair down. He loves my hair, my four, you know, he just likes, he just likes to look at me, but I like a hat. Well, it's a good thing you have a husband who likes to look at you. That's, that's a plus. It's <laughs> definitely a plus. Um, and I put that man through hell. And that is what changed after the, um, just segueing back into the, uh, to the, the story. Because I really do think it's beneficial. When um, I, we first moved to California, we were empty nesters. He had lost his job, actually. With the economy had tanked around 2009. Right. And so he was without work. And during that time, we actually took a hiatus and, and took off on a boat for four months. And unfortunately, like financially, we were set. We had, we had just paid off debt. Like we, we weren't having financial problems. So he could take the time to figure out what he wanted to do. But, you know, it, it, there was a lot to be grateful for. But at that time in my life, I was pretty much coasting. Like I had the job, I had a good husband, but I wasn't like happy and I wasn't really like enjoying my life. And so this was the first start where we spent four solid months together, me, him, and our dog on a boat every single night, went down from North Carolina to, ended up in the Bahamas and then worked our way back over a four month period of time where we spent a lot of time together. And a lot of that time was just reading or, you know, just being sometimes just silent or whatever. And I'm always like a talkative, I'm a very active, very social, very extroverted person. And so this was the first time I was really like, you know, like, you know, isolated really from the world more or less. I mean, we were traveling, we were in Florida, we did do some things in Florida, but anyway, this was a, a time for us to get to know each other better. And I, and we, it was just, it was when I realized I didn't know him as well as I needed to know him. And it's, it's when things started changing for me and for us. And things got worse before they got better. Let me just put that out there. So then in 2011, we moved to California. I've been teaching fitness all my life. My, one of my mentors in fitness is Shalene Johnson. I didn't know she actually lived in California. I didn't know she actually taught in gyms in California. So I started going to her classes. And... So she had this seminar called Push, and I went to it. Well, actually, she got my husband there because at class in the morning, he's like, oh, I'm going to get to go to your seminar. And she's like, is your husband coming? I'm like, no, he's not going to come. She's like, if you get him to come, I will comp his, his ticket. You know, it was like, I don't know, $400, $500 ticket. So I was like, okay, honey, you need to come to this event with me. And he's like, oh, okay. And during the event, she had uh, EMDR specialists come up and speak. But before that event, she had all these traumas that she had put up on the board. And when I saw them, it was like, oh, wow. Like all but four or five of them had happened in my lifetime. And I knew my husband knew some of those things about me, but he didn't know like all of those things about me. And the things that Michaela, so then Michaela came up, the, the EMDR specialist, and she started saying examples of scenarios of things that could happen and then uh, the person like responding and overreacting and literally Todd and I looked at each other and we're like like has she been in our living room like has she seen us because it was like a scenario that was totally desperate he'd say something and I, I would it would trigger what it was it was a trigger and I would overreact and things just got really heated and my response really didn't 
like match the situation at all. So that was the start of it. That's when I, you know, he looked at me, we had, we had had some kind of counseling before, but not like serious counseling. Like went to like a church event kind of thing where it was different, like a weekend to remember kind of thing where that kind of thing lasts a month and then you go back into your normal habits. Anyway, yeah. I feel like going on and on, but this is a good thing because when he saw that, he looked at me, he's like, maybe this is something we should look into. And then I started seeing that particular doctor, Dr. Michaela Sarno, who is amazing. And then what kind of doctor is she? She's an EMDR specialist. And she, I mean, she's had all the other kind of training for that, but she focuses mostly on EMDR. And what I guess she a PhD or is she a a chiropractor? So she's not a PhD. I don't know. You can't, you can't be called a doctor if you're not a PhD. Though. Well, you have to have a doctorate in something. So you can need a PhD or you have a, some sort of a doctoral degree, like a chiropractic degree, or, you know, there are nurses now that have doctorates. She has her doctors. I'm not sure what it's in. I She's see. Not prescribing so medicine. I just, just to clarify for the audience, EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So that is where, where it looks like what, what, what is done is they'll do, um, you know, the, whatever the trauma is, and then they'll, they'll figure out what, what's going on with your eye movement, and then they'll uh, desensitize you. And, and in a lot of ways, I think it's probably very similar to cognitive behavioral therapy, where, where you get desensitized. CBT is really a lot of desensitization to, uh, to some sort of a stimulus that, that will uh, create a response that is usually like an OCD type response or, or some other destructive behavior. So I think, I think that's, that's kind of very similar. I, I'm not familiar with this therapy. I just looked it up real quick, but I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that that's every what Every time is. I hear that, I'm like, yes, that's what it is. I don't know why yeah. I can remember it, but I'm it doesn't so matter. Not, yeah. Technically matter, whatever. But what I know is that it, it got me started on the process of starting to think about where my thoughts are. And that is really the biggest thing that I got out of that was starting to realize that how I'm reacting or feeling or behaving isn't ever really what the person's done or said or anything has happened. It's all in my head and how I respond to it. So, so, training. so this is, this is so important. This is so, so important. You know, in my program, the mental system and in the menopause movement membership, we spend a lot of time talking about the stories we tell ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mindset really comes down to what is the story that we are telling ourselves more than anything else across the board. You know, if I tell myself that you hate me because I'm wearing scrubs and you like to wear this, this matching outfit of a pink hat and sweater, then we're going to have tension because mm-hmm. this is the story that I've told myself, regardless of whether it's true. And, and it's, I think it's really important to pay attention to how we're, how we're telling ourselves stories and what those stories actually mean and whether they're valid. And I've just had a a coaching session with my members where I was talking about uh, stories and, you know, are those stories real? And, And how is the story that you're telling yourself about the other person affecting your relationship with the other person? And so I think for the people who are paying attention to the podcast today, you know, really look at how you talk to yourself. I mean, the first three weeks of, of the, my program, the mental system is paying attention to how you talk to yourself and just writing things down and paying attention because what we don't realize is that we have a bully inside our heads. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, if you go into your brain, there's all these different compartments. I was just listening to something from Brooke Castillo, and it's like, you know, you have your judgmental section, you have your, you know, your, your bully, you have your, your positive person, you have your plans, and, you know, there's all these areas in your, in your brain that if you don't start cleaning it out and organizing and decluttering inside and what's going on, you're constantly going to be feeding yourself negative things. It's just, it's unfortunately, our, our primitive brain really wants to work towards whatever's easy, even if it's uncomfortable, if it's familiar, it's where we want to stay. And challenging that and using that front, uh, the pre, your cortex, the part of your prefrontal, brain. prefrontal cortex. That's the most, the most evolutionary advanced, evolutionarily advanced part of our brain. Yeah. Right. That's the area you want to really work with so that you can balance these things. But you also want to give your subconscious mind a job because, right, because your beliefs, do. yeah, because your beliefs are going to, they're going to create your future. Right. And, Absolutely. and I like, I like mm -hmm. talking about the fact that I'm a doctor because of a statement my mom made when I was five years old and I made a decision when I was five. And I just recently discovered this. This was like uh, back when, when uh, James Wedmore was talking about the new year and he sent it, he put us through this, this whole, if, if you remember it, you know, there was a whole visualization about, about at next level. it was the next level. And uh -huh. it was like, it was all about how, you know, why haven't you been successful as, as successful as you want up till now? And so I had this memory of my mother saying that my uncles were rich because they were doctors. And so at that moment, my little five-year-old brain said, I have to be a doctor. I won't be able to make money. Mm -hmm. And, and that decision, that belief served me. I mean, my subconscious mind took me from, I was a music major to taking one class in trigonometry mm -hmm. and high scoring that class to going into science to one of the most difficult colleges in, in the country called Harvey Mudd to then medical school. Wow. And I know, so and it's because I, and it some just, don't, you know, you know, whether it, whether it served me or one. not, I'm just, it doesn't, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know whether it served me or not. I mean, it, it's what happened. But right, the, the point right. I'm trying to say is that beliefs that we, you know, we are being programmed from such a young age that we're not paying attention to, you know, mm -hmm. if, if we don't pay attention to how we're speaking to ourselves and what the beliefs are that are driving our, our Action. current actions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, th I think this is, this is so, so key. And especially when, you know, one of the things you like to teach is, you know, law of attraction and, you know, getting in touch with source energy. And when we, when we start to really pay attention to those things, mm -hmm. you know, it's we, amazing. What yeah. But, but you have to do all that deep work. You have to do the work of really looking at yourself. You have to take the, you know, the microscope and turn it the other way. Mm -hmm. And it, it can be, it can be painful. And challenging, but, but to be able to do that, become aware, to step away, to like my husband, I, if he was on here, he would be the first one to say like how much, how different I am now. Like, like EMDR started the process for me. And then, you know, it was like a series of like reading the four agreements, just like the understanding the difference between my perspective and other people's perspective, you know, that was huge. Yeah. And then being able to realize that just because I think it's true doesn't mean it's true. And just because you think it's true doesn't mean it's true. You know, right, right. To me is not necessarily true to you. And it's just all those little things that add up and really can change your life once you realize, like even just 
like my little bit of nervousness that I was about coming on this podcast for me was something I was like, I was typing back to you going, cause I was getting scared, not knowing what we were going to talk about. And I'm like, Jill, this is, this is what you need to get over. You know, like, let's work through this. Let's, yeah. And then I my husband this morning and he's like, when I was telling him that part, I could hear him. He's like, you didn't cancel it. Did you? I'm like, no, I did not cancel. And Good he's job. Like, yeah. He was very yeah. proud. Well, I like to tell people that the the magic happens when we are right on that border of being being stretched right at the at the edge of our of our comfort zone. You know, and James Wedmore talks about the box. We learned about that. And and for anybody who uh follows me and also follows James Wedmore, he's he spoke about, you know, how you know we live inside of a box and once we get outside that box, that's where all of the change can happen. And when you become a little bit more self-aware, you start to realize that. And you were talking just, I just wanted to mention for one, one second, you were talking about how we have to, you know, compartmentalize or, or understand how there's a bully and how there's this, there's that. I think the best, the best book I've ever read about the voice inside our heads comes from Michael Singer mm. and it's called The Untethered Soul. And I, I've recommended that book. I've talked to a few people on the podcast about that book. And so we recommend it over and over. It's one of the biggest life-changing books that, that I think we can recommend. Although the first time I read that book, none of it sunk in. And I recently went through a book group and we went through, you know, there were, there's four parts to that book. And so we went through the four parts and, and I just had it on repeat as I was running. I would do the first, you know, five chapters or whatever, whatever we were focusing on for that book group. And it started all to sink in about what, you know, what is that voice and, and why does it take both sides and who are we, you know, in relation to that voice. And the, the, the best thing, the best like epiphany for me was that that is not who I am. I'm the one who sees the voice. I'm the one who hears the voice. I am not that voice. Mm -hmm. And, That's and, oh, I know it's crazy. It's crazy. And then, and then when you start to do that, you start, you know, like I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a scientist mm -hmm. and now I'm in the woo. <laughs> I know. Well, as a CPA in the woo, it's like not everybody's like I, you're not. I'm not your average CPA, first of all. Right, right. Okay. About that, but yes. Yeah. So let's 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 talk. So you, before we get to that, I wanted to hear you said something about this book, The Four Agreements. I don't know what that is. Can you talk Ooh, a little bit about that? Don Miguel Don Miguel Ruiz is the okay. author. I have done the Audible and the author is um the guy that reads it is he's got a great voice which makes it even better peter i think his name's peter peter i don't know i'll have to get back to you on that I it's know okay it doesn't matter but um anyway it is about the four agreements which are one be impeccable with your word like do what you say say what you mean be clear and then and then how each word is an agreement like what those things mean but then the second i don't know if it's second or third or third and second that I'm saying as far as order goes, but it's don't make assumptions and don't take things personal. And that's where most people go wrong. They yeah. make an assumption that it's about them. You know, like a 99.9% .9 times, whatever somebody else does has absolutely nothing to do with you, but you yeah. make it personal and, and you assume what they mean. And then you have all this anxiety and tension and miscommunications and then the last one is just do your best. So if you keep those four agreements with yourself, it's just the way to live and not let other people control you. You have control of yourself. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I read a book by Jack Canfield a long time ago called The Success Principles. Mm -hmm. And 
and, and that that book that book changed my life and i think it was like in 2010 or something i read that book and it read it changed my life in the way that you know nobody else is thinking about you right nobody's talking about you nobody's thinking about you i mean we are essentially narcissistic creatures we only think about ourselves and so when something you know somebody says something like i say well yeah that's a pink hat and you're and then and then you're you're like well what do you mean by that and and da, da, da. and 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 it comes back to like what is the story and we go back everything comes back to story what oh. is the story that i'm telling myself about this because all we can see through is the filter that we see through right and and we only see through our me filter and one one of the um exercises i teach in my membership which i got from my mentor shri kumar rao is called the other centered universe and and again i heard you say that before sri kumar rao yeah he's my mentor and and we we do we do in the membership we talk about the other centered universe and how you take a piece of your day and you just stop focusing on yourself it's not easy Mm. it's not easy but it's a great it's a great exercise is it like a long period of time it depends on how you want to do it you can break it up i mean i you know when you join my membership you learn all about it so Mm. (laughs) yeah so we don't want to give too much away right now, but yeah, but we do no, talk no, about that's it. Interesting. I know Jim Fortin does something like um, where he makes his students, I don't know how, sound, I vaguely remember, it's like a real, like in two hours where they have to just sit and not do anything. And a lot of them just have a really hard time doing that. But yeah, you know, it's, it's just the commitment to just unwind, unplug and not, you know, and then just bring your attention back, you know, like, cause you're going to wander. Your mind is going to wander. It's oh, yeah. normal, you know, but just bringing your attention back. And that's like, that's how I learned how to meditate too. It's like small increments mm-hmm. and just cause my mind is busy. And so I just need to, once I, cause once it goes off on a banter and then I'm like, oh shoot. Yeah, you know, there's a really great book that you might want to read. It's called True Meditation by Adi Ashanti. And we're going to hook up all of the books that we mentioned in the show notes. So for anybody who's who's interested in in growing in this way, you can you can go get The Four Agreements and uh, Michael Singer's book and uh, the Adi Ashanti book. But True Meditation is great. And, and I actually, this is the next book that we've put in our book group. And we were just talking about it. But the main thing is to, you know, one of the things that happens in meditation is that we tend to try to manipulate the experience. And Adi Ashanti teaches this, you know, true meditation is no manipulation. And that kind of really goes along with the four agreements. So you may, I mean, I don't know, you may really, really enjoy it. It's a short book, it's a really quick read, but it's a life, another really life-changing book, yeah. so. I, I felt like four agreements for me was just, I was on that journey anyway, but that's yeah. just very good timing as things have come into your life. Yeah, I'm lots of times like, you know, and I'm 100% under the mindset of, you know, I am exactly where I am supposed to be like, you know, before I would be anxious or where, you know, like, this isn't what I thought, or this isn't where I thought I'd be or how things were supposed to be. And now I'm just happy with where I am and excited for what more is coming. And at 53, and my husband's 10 years older than me, so like our relationship today is better than it's ever been. And I don't know if you know this, but he lives in Florida and I live in California. So we are as well. But we just spent a month together. We went to Morocco, we went to Spain, and we just had like a great time with our grandkids. And now he's going to be here next weekend. But we go back and forth. So I I travel a lot also with my job. 
and with you know our relationship to keep the energy going. But it's great because he travels so much for work that if I lived in Florida, I really wouldn't see him much anyway. So it's not like, you know, it's that big of a deal, but to other people, it's like, oh my gosh, really? You know, I don't know. I think it depends. I mean, I think some people really need some time. I mean, especially if you're an introvert, you know, one of the things when when I talk about being an introvert, people are always surprised because, you know, I'm in front of a camera a lot and I've got the podcast and whatever. But, you know, there are times when I just have to go and do my own thing and don't, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. Don't try to kiss me. Just go away and I will come back when I'm ready. But I have to spend some time being, you know, to recharge. Yeah. Well, so he's the introvert. I'm the extrovert. However, I live by myself in this cute little apartment and I, I, I love my alone time. So I don't like maybe I'm more on the border, but I'm anybody that knows me thinks I'm an extrovert. Like. And, and, and I, when I say, well, I, I recharge on my own, they're like, oh, you're, you're so cute. You think you're an, you're an introvert, but you're really an extrovert. So, yeah, that's funny. So, okay. So what, let's, let's hear a little bit more about what happened with Charlene. So when oh. you went to Charlene's, uh, Charlene. when you went to her conference, yeah. 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 So yeah. went to the conference and uh, Michaela was talking and then Todd was like, maybe we should look into it. So I did a five-day intensive with with Michaela. But mm-hmm. honestly, that was the pivotal position. That was what changed everything for both of us. And, you know, like, really, as I was going through it, and I, I don't know if this was before or after, but at one point, like, him and I were still fighting. Like, I wasn't, I, you know, it was like it got worse before it got better. You know, it brought up a lot of stuff from my history, stuff I had to work through. But... After I got through it and after I, I like was able to go back and just like not have any feelings about like my my memory and my thoughts or what I think about now is I'm good. It's good. I feel good and nothing comes up. There are things I get triggered about, but I am like, I get it. Like I recognize it now and our relationship, like we were so close to divorcing around 2012, like so close and we just now celebrate or february will be our 21st anniversary um oh, congratulations yeah so we have come a long way together and our life has changed dramatically since we first started dating but now our life is amazing we are open i'm not afraid to speak my i used to be afraid that he'd judge me i used to be afraid that I just had low self-worth, my, like my self-esteem and my self-worth was so like, and nobody would know because I would fake confident. I would act like I was okay, but I really mm-hmm. wasn't. Inside. And I didn't really, really realize I wasn't really okay. Yeah. And so yeah. something would happen and my insecurities would snap in and I would, you know, like put a story together that was so far off that, and then he'd be like, he could like, honest to God, I, I am so grateful that he stuck it out. And after all was said and done, and after our marriage improved, I, I had to, I was like, why did you stay? Like I put him through so much. I was so yeah. and he's like, because I knew, I knew you had it in you. And that's, that's so special. I mean, we have, you know, menopause and, and, you know, I don't know if this is happening around the time you had perimenopause and menopause, but you know, it, it can be so disruptive when 
our brains lose our estrogen. And there's so many women out there who have an issue with, you know, self-confidence and self-worth. And that may be coming from childhood trauma or coming from teenage trauma or coming from young adult trauma. And then it's just as, as they, as they mature and as their hormones go away, they're like, I, I don't know what's happening. And then, and then there's this whole like emotional thing of, you know, the mood swings and whatnot. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's, there's a lot of divorce that happens because we don't understand what's happening to ourselves. And, you know, I was tell, talking to him about this this morning, just about your podcast and menopause in general. And I was telling him what I told you yesterday about how I always looked forward to it. Cause to me, it meant I wasn't going to have my period anymore. Yeah. Like, yep. I, I, I've heard you say that a million times. How, and Ignorance is bliss, I guess, because a lot of the things I might have been going through may have been because of menopause, but because my focus wasn't on this is one of those things that happened to you. I had I really didn't know. And like I said, my mom didn't have like nobody I knew had gone through it. And I think I actually must have gone through it earlier than a lot of my friends that are like a lot of them are going through it now and a lot of them are struggling. And I never yeah. like felt like that, but I also at the same time when him and I were talking this morning, like I, like I was saying, I remember like dry and uncomfortable sex. At a period, but I yeah. thought that was, I was not wanting sex. I didn't dawn on me that it was pre, I had not yeah. until this morning when I was having this conversation with him or, or yesterday when you said that, I'm like, you know, maybe that is what that, that was, you know, it I, could it, be. Like, you know, I didn't know and I wasn't thinking it and it, and I didn't dwell on it. So my memory of it lasting long isn't you know? Yeah. 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 So. I mean, it's not for some women, some women breeze through menopause, you know, it's sometimes it's really easy, but a lot of women will gain a lot of weight and then they have, you know, a lot of disruption in their, in their thoughts and their sleep. And, and so it's, it's just, it's different, you know, there's no one size fits all answer for menopause, yeah. and, but and let's, I, let's, yeah. let's go to like, one of the things you just mentioned was, you know, sexuality. And that's one of the things that you help women reconnect with, right? Or I like the ones that are open and willing to, because also in our age group or my age group, that's sometimes a like a we're, this, we're close to the same age. I'm a couple of years yeah. older than you. Yeah. So I was thinking you were younger than me. So hey, I'm 55. <laughs> no girl. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, and it you know depending on your background or your upbringing, you know, Christian, like certain things are just not talked about. You know. Politics, well, religion. let's let's talk about America. America, you know, when you look at when you look at the fifties in America, you know, or, or even even the, the the founding of America, even though they wanted to have their religious freedom, it was founded by Puritans who mm -hmm. thought sex was evil and only for procreation and didn't see sex as a means of intimacy or a means right. to you know kind of keep things going in a relationship or even as a you know a physical just a physical kind of release, right? Mm -hmm. And so now here we are, you know, 200 and some odd years into our, into the, the country and it still has those puritanical kinds of things. And we still don't talk about sexuality and we still have like the weirdness about abortion and the weirdness about being gay and the weirdness. I mean, there's a lot of sex weirdness in America. So I, it, it's not the same everywhere else in the world. It, America is uniquely like prudish. I think yeah. uniquely prudish. And I used to just think, of, you know, I'm modest, you know, and I was just a modest person, you know, but at, at some point you get to where you realize like, if you don't speak up, like not, I don't want to, if you don't speak up and just 
be honest with who you are and, and allow yourself to enjoy things that your body was meant to enjoy, then you're missing out on a lot. And you yeah. really are. And, you know, during the period of time when my husband and I weren't intimate or, you know, like I felt like I was obligated because I, you know, cared for him, even though I didn't want to have sex before, you know, it, and I would say it's painful or whatever. That was a short period of time. But before that, maybe it was just because I didn't look forward to it or I thought it was more like, I don't know, there was some kind of mental association. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's, a whole, there's a whole part of whether you want to share your body with someone because it can be so vulnerable. Yeah. And, and if you're in a relationship where things are a little tense, mm-hmm. you know, do you want to really be that vulnerable with that person? I think though also for me is because of the traumas that I had been through, I was also very much like in like insecure for sure, but just not just, I don't know, shamed. I just felt shameful, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, and then I would use it as, and this is where I like, I would use it as a weapon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would like hold it, like withhold it from him just, to get my way or to prove a point. Or if you, if you came home late, something stupid, you know, like I would just all the bad, all the bad. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's easy in a relationship to use sex as a currency. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that we have to do as adults Mm -hmm. is to, is to say, well, this is not a currency. This is something that we mutually want to do together because we want to be close. And, and just to talk about trauma, I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast, especially with Deirdre Faye. I had like really severe sexual abuse as a child. And, and I, sex has always been like this really confusing thing for me because it's like, it's something I like, but I don't like because it's weird and, and it's controlling and it's power. And, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's a very, it's a very touchy subject because we're, you know, we're Americans and America doesn't talk about sex really. And then we don't talk about how, how many children are used as sexual objects for the older men. I mean, they just, they just laugh. I mean, I remember my father laughing about it, you know, the whole Alice in Wonderland thing where, you know, Lewis Carroll was a pedophile and Alice was a, one of his victims, right? And in, in real life. In real life. Yeah. You know, yeah. so come here, little girl. And, and yeah. my dad would say that. And I was like, God, you know, and, and it was like this okay thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that... I don't know about that. That's my experience yeah. is different. Yeah, but, no, no. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, that so, so there's many ways that you can have dysfunction sexually. Right. Not just, you know, if you, you know, it doesn't have to be sexual trauma. It can be physical trauma or it can be emotional trauma. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I'm just talking about my own experience, but, and, and I, I'm an open book. I don't care. You know, I'll, t- I'll talk about anything now, but because I've resolved it. I, you know, something that happened to my body didn't happen to me. I'm, I'm okay with right. who I and am. That's and, where I am now. Same. Yeah. And like, for like, I will share this cause I have resolved this with my mom as well. But at the time, you know, when I was younger, one of a couple or one, of, one particular boyfriend of hers had, you know, done some things when I was so young. Yeah. And when my brother, I told my brother immediately. And when my brother told my mom, she didn't believe me. She was yeah, like, that's true. We were never believed. Yeah, at our at our age. Want to believe? I mean, that was yeah. You know, like she thought you misunderstood, and so then I was really confused. You know, because I was really young. After I had EMDR, my mom and I had a long conversation, and you know, 
our relationship's awesome. She, I, I get where she's, I understand all that. Like I don't yeah. have any animosity towards her. For, I mean, but at the time I, you know, like she let this little girl, you know, be with this guy and he babysit us and stuff, you know, like, so it was, you know, things happen and you have to move on or you're going to get caught in a negative storytelling cycle that's just going to ruin you. I thought I was fine though. These are things that I had just buried down and became a very high functioning messed up person. You know yeah. I mean? Well, like, but we're all, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to suffer a really, you know, life altering trauma to be a high functioning messed up person because you can live in a, you know, a household that has, you know, really good, you know, the parents have good parenting skills and they understand how to deal with it. You know, a child that has a meltdown and, and things like that. And, and you, you still get messed up because that's, you know, that's attachment and detachment. And those are all the things that the psychologists talk about. And so everybody is messed up in some way. For sure. I mean, you, you know, parents that were perfectionists and then you thought that then that just, you know, like the house had to be perfectly clean and the, yeah, you know, those kinds of things can wreak havoc on a exactly. child. Exactly. So, so there's so much, so there's, there's so much trauma that, that, you know, happens. And the thing is, is that are those traumas going to be the defining moments of your life? And are you going to always be making that, you know, having the past come present, the past come present, the past come present like that in, into the point where that little six-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old is the one that's running your life. And now you've got a child running your life. And that was such a revelation for me when I said, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time dealing with my abuse. Trust me. I mean, as I realized that, you know, if I, if I blame the abuse on the, my abusers, then, you know, if I blame my life circumstances on the fact that I had abuse, then I was, you know, giving them all sorts of power and, you know, all yeah. those things. Right. And so for me, when I got to the point where I was like, but you know, this thing happened and it's like this defining moment and everything has to come through this filter. Well, then that's the filter of a five-year-old mm -hmm. who doesn't have the experience to say, well, well this happened and here's, yeah. and let's make the, you know, and so, and so we have to really pay attention to the stories that our five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old selves told and, and make sure that those programmings that. aren't coming forward. Yeah. Exactly. And that, and that's like that revelation that the distinction between understanding the difference between a pain that you experienced back then is not the pain that you're having right now. It's your thoughts about the past that's making it present and bringing that pain to your life right now. And it doesn't have to be that way. You, the, you know, the good news is you have control over that. You can choose not to bring that yeah. and think that way. You can change your thoughts. You can change your feelings hundred percent. Right. So if you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast and you're thinking that we're full of crap, <laughs> oh, it's true. No, it, but it's it, it's really important to know that that both Jill and I have had amazing experiences from learning how to change our thoughts. I used to be this person who was really standoffish, and I would I called myself prickly. I would push people away because mm -hmm. I just I would, and to some degree, I mean, you know, people like me or they don't, and that's because I'm very straightforward. And there's, mm -hmm. you know, you, with me, you always know where you stand. I mean, I'm going to tell you, tell it like it is. And that's mm -hmm. part of maybe my surgeon's personality or, or whatever, but that's just who I am. So, but, but what I have learned is that I can, I don't have to control everything anymore. And that's so through, me. through, through meditation and whatever development, but it's like, 
people who have known me for the last 15 years and see how I act now and how I don't react to things. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's just, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And that is, a, you know, because of the fact that we've, you know, we've taken the time to look at how we feel about things. Which you've taken the time to do the thought work is really what the, it comes The thought to. work, the writing. Yeah. yeah. Writing, the thinking, yeah. to recognize what it is that you're thinking is so key because every, like a circumstance, something that happens is neutral. It's what you think about that circumstance is that what generates. That is so, yeah, we, we teach in the minnow system. We teach, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Who knows? It's a thing. It's a thing. And it's, I talk about that all the, it's just a thing. And we, and we assign meaning to that. Yeah. So my program officially started last week, but we're, our training starts tomorrow. And so I'm so excited. Yes. Cause we're doing a lot of that thoughts, you know, circumstance, you know, your thoughts about the circumstance, which your feelings are generated from and your feelings drive your actions and your actions create your results. And so, and you can put anything, anything in this world is either a circumstance, a feeling, a thought, uh, you know, a result or a, or a action that you've taken. And so it all comes, yeah. you can go up or down. If there's a result you want, you'll work your way back up. Or, you know, if there's a situation or a feeling that you're having, you think back up to your thoughts and then you figure out where the disconnect is. And, and then you have your, your model of what it is that you do want and what result you want. And you figure out, what you, how do I need to act to have this result? Well, how do I need to feel to do this action? What do I need to be thinking? Did you have this feeling, you know, to work? So you basically help people work backwards from the outcome that they want. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, so it just, just like we, we talk about it a lot. We say, you know, here's the outcome. Mm -hmm. You work backwards, you look at it. Okay. What is the process? I mean, this is, I love this because what is the process that I have to go through to get to that outcome? And then all you have to do is focus on the process because once you focus on the process, the outcome is always going to take care of itself. Right. And then the other thing key to that is that the only thing that's preventing you from having the result that you want is the thought that you're having and the fear that you're afraid to step into. Because so many times it's an action that needs to be taken that we're afraid to take. And once we realize that fear is just, or the sensation of it, that the uncomfortable feeling, it's just a feeling. And once yeah. you're okay with getting through that feeling, that it, you're going to live. It's okay. You know, and, and then you can move on and do the next thing. And, you know, like I, a lot of the thing I, things I also am teaching in my group is confidence. And a lot of people have the misconception that a confident person is somebody who always gets it right. They're confident because they've had so many successes. And I'm like, no, a confident person is confident because they, one, aren't afraid to try Two, they failed and gotten back up and yeah. have, you know, like persevere, you know, and it's, so it's not, resilience in the face of failure. If you have it easy all the time and then you don't, you crumble, you know, like it's, it's that person doesn't do so well. And honest to God, that for me, that was me. Like I did so well, so well, so well. And then there was this one thing I wanted really bad. And it's the first time I never got what I, I put my mind out to get. And I will tell you now that I've learned about the law of attraction, the entire time I was going for this thing, in my mind, I didn't believe I could do it. Like, yeah, everything, yeah. like oh, you got this, Jill, you got this, you got this. I was like, oh, no, only one in five make it. And I gave all this evidence of how if I do get it, it's going to be a miracle. And when I didn't, I was devastated. So 
Can you be a little bit more specific about that particular, can we just tell that sure. story? So I, when I, at one point before I moved to California, I had decided I wanted to start teaching accounting and um, I needed to get my PhD. I had been out of college for a long time. I had to go back and take the GMAT and I needed a 600 to get into the, the School of Accounting for, I, there was five colleges I was looking at and they only accept like five every two years to the uh, accounting program, even though they were having a shortage at the time of accounting professors, the, to get into the accounting uh, PhD program at a lot of schools was very, very, very competitive. Yeah. And so I went in and, you know, I got the bare minimum, I got a 600 on my GMAT, which, you know, is all, they told me that's what I needed. I was just thankful that I got that, but I did not get into any programs. And I got almost into two in Florida, but then, you know, stuff happened. And I just, and it was right before we went on our Bahama trip. It was right, right before we went, or during, I guess the last no was when we left for the trip. And I was devastated. I was just like, I had graduated top of my class. I spoke at graduation at college. Like I, you know, like I passed the CPA exam the first time I took it. Like I should have been able to do this. And all of my friends were like, you got this. I had recommendations from my professors. I, I had a job already lined up at East Carolina University. Everything was good, but I couldn't get into a program. And I just like all my, all my confidence in myself and myself value just went, you know, just went down. Yeah. Yeah. But the universe had another plan for you. Yeah. And, and, and thank you. <laughs> yeah. And this is the perfect, this is actually the perfect example of why failure is a door to possibility because mm -hmm. what we think is, is the best thing for our lives may not be that it may be that the best thing for our lives is, is for us to have a failure and then have to really reevaluate ourselves and, and make a new choice. Yeah. And I just like, and let me just back up just one more thing, because I only think this, I don't usually share this with a lot of people, but I want to emphasize how like my first, I was married before I, and my daughter, um, when she was about three and a half, almost four, my husband passed away at 24. Yeah, and it's like 25 years ago now. Yeah, but, but still. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it was. It was like my life. Yeah. Nowhere quick. At, that was another one of my traumas, right? So that happened. Sure. Drugs, like a lot. I was going like really quick in New Jersey. So I moved to North Carolina with my daughter, and I focused on school, and I just kind of like, you know, just, just put my head down and just like, this is what I'm going to do. And that's why, like, I, one would think that somebody that has these accomplishments after that, like I had all these, like I was always, I was going to do this. I was going to do that. Da, 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 da. And then I got the job at IBM. I got, you know, I got married ultimately and like all these things happened. And then I was kind of like, I plateaued of trying. Like I was like, I have like my, she was my why I needed to provide for her. And then once I had it, then I was just like coasting, you know, like, I stopped learning. I stopped growing. Yeah. I stopped eating. And it wasn't until I came, you know, back to California that I started growing again. Like trying to get my PhD was right before we came to California. And like, I don't know, it's just like the way things happen. It's just, you know, 
Yeah, I think it's easy though for us. Like for me, I had a similar experience when I completed my residency program. Like I was focused, 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 right? I had to get through residency. I had to get through residency and surgical residency is not easy. It's really hard. And it's really hard, especially as a woman, because Mm -hmm. it's still a man's world, although it's getting better. I mean, it's been, you know, 15 years since I graduated. But when I started my practice, I remember sitting in my office thinking, well, is this all there is? You know, what's next? I'm Mm -hmm. supposed to be happy now. I'm not happy you know, and, and it's the same sort of thing. It's like how, where's the happiness going to come from and what is it? And it took me, it took me a, a good 13 years to realize that the happiness it's inside isn't, out. isn't from something I do. It's who I have to be. And that is, and that is, you know, so key to what you teach. It's key to what I teach. And mm-hmm. it's key to anyone who's paying attention to this podcast that, you know, you want to be happy. You have to make a decision to be happy and then, and then be that person. Yeah, you can't look for external things to bring it in. It's got to come from the inside out. And then when you're happy on the inside, amazingly enough, all these external things start to happen for you as well. But it's really an internal, you know, generated from inside. It's not. Yeah, no, it's totally generated from inside. So I want to, I want to, how do people get a hold of you? So they can go to my website at www.jillmremig.com. Talk a little bit about, about the affirmations, you do some affirmation work, and I know that you have a, a nice download for uh, anyone who wants to get it. Uh, so, can you just talk a little bit about affirmations and how they have changed your life and, and sure. how they can change the lives of the listeners? Yeah, I think that a lot of people either give affirmations like the poo poo, like this, whatever, or they think, oh, well, I've been doing them and they're not working. And I just think there's some things that you need to think about. Like, so my PDF that I have is like the five steps to create it and make it your own. And you know what my advice is. And then it's like 10 of my affirmations that I use, but I think the affirmations can absolutely reaffirm anything positive or any outcome that you have. And it goes along with my thought process that, you know, what you believe is your reality, like what you think you believe is what you make happen. So if you have to speak on stage and you think you're going to bomb it, pretty sure you're going to bomb it. And if you think you're going to do really well, pretty sure you're going to do pretty well. You know, it's yeah. just, just like that, that, you know, the, t- you know, taking the PhD exam, like I, you know, or trying to, I didn't think I was going to get it. I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Right. You will these things to happen, whether you, realize it or not so why not take charge you know like why not be at the helm of your life and 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 course correct and affirm the things that you want to have happen in your life so for me like some of those steps that i share in the pdf is like you want to make it positive of what you want to have happen instead of like say i am healthy not i'm not sick you know what i mean you want to make it in the positive right you know, so that's yeah, because the, the, the subconscious mind doesn't understand negatives. So right. you have to, you have to tell the subconscious mind that you are going, you know, what you want. Like I, I am fit and healthy or I yeah. am, you know, I am a millionaire or whatever it is you want. Right. Instead of but just not, thinking, it, thinking more. it without action is not going to get you yeah. anything. Yeah. So not only, not only can you, can you say, say an affirmation, but you also have to take the action that scares you to get you to the place where you want to be. Right. For sure that and the other two of the other things that I think are important. One is that it's in the present tense, not the future, because then you're always affirming it's going to happen instead of right. it's happening. 
to not I will be, but I am. Yeah, and then that's too, that's too for the brain. The brain wants to think in concrete terms. And so oh. if you tell, if you say I will, then it's uh, abstract and it's not concrete. Right. And then the other one, when I thought it was where you were headed, but is to actually generate that feeling inside of you. So if you're wanting to feel happy about something or you do, like, what would a person who is fit and weighs what they want feel like? Imagine what that is while you're doing that affirmation. Like I, and then feel it, viscerally feel it in your body. And people, if you're listening, you may not understand what I mean, but if you think about like something like gratitude or happiness, if you generally think about how you feel when you're happy, you can feel a sensation throughout your body if you allow yourself to recognize that or notice. Right. So. Yeah, so it's really important that if you're going to make a change in your life, if you want to make a behavior change or a lifestyle change or anything, that it starts with a thought, it starts with a vibration, and, mm -hmm. and then, and then you, ha you, you have to continue to take action toward that thing that you want. But the only way you're going to continue to take action toward that thing you want is to create a state in yourself so that you are being that person that you want to be. Mm -hmm. And I know this all sounds very woo-woo and whatnot, but you know what, this, you guys, this stuff works. And anyone who's successful will tell you this. Yep. Yep. You know, the woo-woo, I've just like... I'm I know, I've, I've released myself to the woo. <laughs> completely, completely surrendered to the woo because at the end of the day, the woo works. And, you know, I meditate about an hour every day and, and an know, I, 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 yeah. And I study this guy right here. So this is uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and uh, he wrote a book called autobiography of a Yogi. And that completely changed my life because that book talks about um, how, you know, with the right kind of spiritual principles through scientific principles of yoga essentially anyone can get close to god mm -hmm. and religion will teach you something different you know and mm -hmm. and so if you're if you're particularly religious you may not like this because you know religion is in america it's primarily christianity but this guy here this you know paramahansa yogananda he showed me in this book that christ wasn't the only one christ was incredibly enlightened and important i'm not mm -hmm. saying he wasn't important but wow you know it's just yoga yeah <laughs> it's yeah. the it's the real yoga it's not like the poses it's it's mm -hmm. the real yoga yeah so, the mental yeah well, yeah it's it's like kundalini getting the body you know getting the soul out of the body and i mean there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of technique to it but at the end of the day it's you know you don't actually need technique to get in touch with the spiritual and the eternal you just need right. to sit and let it be Right. And just connect. Yeah. 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 So connect I, to the, the, so the like internet. whenever I when, when I wake up, one of the first things I do is just take a moment and just feel my heart and just kind of feel my source. Like feel I've got God in me. I've got my own, you know, yeah. unique thing that's full of energy that wants the best for me. And I just have to reaffirm that in the morning, you know, and I just it, on the mornings that I'm, I know I have to be somewhere and I don't do that, I can tell a difference in the way my day starts. Yeah. You know, it really makes a difference to just take a minute and just like, just get there, you know? It's, yeah, I won't get out of bed until I feel grateful for the day. I, I yeah. stay in bed and I just am like, okay, am I going to, you know, what is my emotional domain going to be today? Am I going to be in gratitude? And, I'm, and, 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 you know, I think, I think this is like, you know, 
we are, and I like to say this, I say this all the time, we are human, we are, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We are spiritual beings wearing a suit of skin. And, mm-hmm. and our job on this earth is to get in touch with the divine. Yes, for sure. And I just wanted to bring one thing back to sex, sure. a tip um, for those women who want to want to be with their husband and just don't necessarily feel it, that also, that feeling. Our partner. We, we have part, to go back to partner, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got a lot of that going on. Anyway, is to genuinely get back here, and then when you get back here into your source energy, and then just think about letting it flow through to your body, you naturally will get, um, your body will get aroused if you just think about being aroused, if you just, you know, it's a way to lubricate your body without having to make your partner do it. You know, you can yeah. simulate that all in your head. It's totally, I, and I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but when I started talking about how I, you can viscerally feel something, you can mentally stimulate your body if you just start to think about it. The brain, the brain is so, so powerful and there is such a huge mind body connection. And, and when it comes to sexuality, I believe this very strongly that we have there's more power in the mind than there is in the body. And mm-hmm. without having some sort of mental understanding, brain understanding, um, there's, there's the whole, you know, thoughts of anticipation and, you know, exactly. that, that, and that help to get things going, you know, get things going. Yeah. And so that's, and, and, and what happens, I think in a long-term relationship, and this is easy to have happen is that things can get a little boring and, and you got to kind of try to figure out how to spice it up and, and to, you know, do seduction all over again. Mm-hmm. I mean, seduction is so alluring. Yeah. And the, and the thing for, for at least, a male and a female. I'm just going to say that because I'm, I'm not going to speak for a, a male, male or female, female, but I know that in that relationship, a guy, the guy, the male, he wants, that's, that's just in their nature to want to please. And if you don't speak up and say, honey, that's not, you know, like you can direct them with their hand or you can give guidance or whatever. They want that. They, they prefer to hear that. And lots of times women are like, you know, with their mouth and they're not saying right. anything. We're not taught to talk about, because we don't, we don't really talk about sex. We don't talk about how to express ourselves sexually. We have to like fumble through it and figure yeah, it out. Yeah, fumble, you're like, and, oh, uh, no, and, no. And the other thing is though, as women, as women, mm-hmm. we have been taught to wait for permission. Mm-hmm. And we've been taught to wait for permission because we live in a patriarchy. I swear I bring this up every freaking podcast, <laughs> but, but it's true. I mean, because we've been, you know, not only have we been taught to wait for permission because of the way we're educated with the bells and, and all that, but we're taught as women to wait for permission from men. And mm-hmm. I want to give you all permission to do whatever it is you want to do. At car blanche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> car blanche. There you do whatever you want, you know, and, and, and doctor said, you've got a doctor's <laughs> note. You've got permission. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So how can people get a hold of you? They can go to my website, which is my full name with my middle initials, jillmromig.com. That's J I L L M R O M I G.com. That's great. And we're going to hook up your download in uh, for the affirmations in the show notes and all the books we talked about today. And Jill, I hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. This is great. I really appreciate it. That was awesome. Thank you. All right.
There you do go. whatever you want, you know, and, and, and the doctor we, said, you've got a doctor's <laughs> note. You got permission. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So how can people get a hold of you? They can go to my website, which is my full name with my middle initials, jillmromig.com. That's J-I-L-L-M-R-O-M-I-G.com. That's great. And we're going to hook up your download in uh, for the affirmations in the show notes and all the books we talked about today. And Jill, I hope to have you back on the podcast again soon. This is great. I really appreciate it. That was awesome. Thank you. All right. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life. And to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.